Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and this is Recode Replay. Here's an interview from the stage of the 2017 Code Media Conference in Dana Point, California. You can find full coverage of all the speakers of the conference on Recode.net. Here's MediaLink CEO Michael Casson. I'd like to tell a story about when Jim and I first met. I said uh, I really was anxious to meet Jim Bankoff because he was a generic. We were in the midst of uh, some executive search work and somebody said to me, I want to find a Jim Bankoff type of guy. And so to me, anytime you can be a generic, I think it's a positive statement about who, who somebody is. But uh, look, the three o'clock wake up call is really just a hearkening to what we look at every day uh, at MediaLink and in our industry. Um, I actually think the three o'clock wake-up call is a little later than it actually needs to be because if there's a three o'clock wake-up call for the marketers, then my bet is there needs to be probably a 2 a.m. wake-up call for the publishers and the media companies and the agencies. So we actually think the subtext of our three o'clock wake-up call is that two o'clock wake-up call. There are plenty of things that are keeping all of us up at night, and, and I think those things Um, are clear to most of you in the room. We know that consumers are choosy, impetuous, tech-empowered, and on an infinite number of journeys every day. We also know that new media proliferation is a daily, if not an hourly, phenomenon. Data is multiplying faster than our capacity to corral it. The old models don't let us move at the speed of people. Here's something else that's keeping us up at night. This guy right here, the goldfish. Microsoft made it official a few months ago. The average goldfish has a longer attention span than the average human. The fish clocks in at nine seconds, people at eight. I actually suffer from adult ADD, so I think I'm probably at six. In fact, I'm done, no, seriously. Um, Another thing that I think is keeping people up at night on the marketer side of the equation is the lifetime um, batting average of CMOs. There was a period of time where the CMOs um, time frame was down to as low as 18 months. A couple of years ago, we started to see an upward trend and we saw that that was getting stronger. It was about 48 months, so it really had a jump. And unfortunately, it seems it's going the other way again. We're now down to an average uh, shelf life of 44 months for a CMO, which talks very much to the kind of change and and movement that's going on in the market. Look, we know it all. We, We live in unprecedented times. I've been in this business for a long time, and I know we will all agree there's never been a time where we've had so much economic, technological, and now listening to the most recent speakers, a geopolitical disruption in our world. These winds of change are ruthless. How do we move fast enough or change radically enough to reshape our businesses? We need to go farther and we need to go faster. Every insomniac will tell you when you're wide awake at 3 a.m., there are some strategies for getting back to sleep. For me, the one thing I do is I keep a pen and a paper next to my desk so I can make that list. That's number one. And I have made my own list and I want to share that list with you today. There are things that we know that are outside of our control that will require us to be constantly vigilant, curious, and flexible. There are a few things that we can do to restore some order in our business. One is I think we have to fix the model. We were fortunate enough this past year to work with our friends at AT AT&T as they reimagine their media and creative spend across uh, the many, many billions of dollars they spend. 
And what I think this indicated was marketers are desperately looking for a new model. I was in the media business when the, when the model changed initially and we separated the media buying from the creative process. So if you look back at where we were in the days of Mad Men, uh, those of you who uh, watch it as I did, realized that Don Draper was the guy who was out there doing all the fun lunches and having all the beautiful girls at his side, and Harry the media guy was wearing a bow tie with an abacus down in the basement figuring out cost per point. That's kind of changed today, and what we see is a, is a hearkening to a new model, a new bundle. We saw that, as I say, with AT&T this summer, where they basically said to the holding companies, we want you to bring us your best offering of media and creative together. Now, the reason for that was, if you look at how they looked at the market, if you look at it through that lens, they feel, and I think they were correct, that there was a media spine, uh, rather a data spine in the middle of the media and the creative process. And if you brought together the media agency and the creative agency in a new way, you could probably capture that. So I think one thing we have to do is look at the model. And we have to be able to look at it through that lens. You see other examples of that where, for example, uh, Droga 5 has recently added media planning back to their uh, skill set. And, and more recently, Honda just went back to the place they were for almost 30 years before that to RPA, uh, again, a consolidated media and creative shop. So you see those kinds of movements at that level and you see the opportunity. It's a pretty clear message. I'm not saying that we're advocating for a brand new model, but I think what we're advocating for is a model that respects both sides of the equation in a bit of a different way. You have to obviously tear down the silos because what your client is looking for, if you're the agency, is less complexity, a simpler solution, and the obvious marginal pressure that everybody is feeling is starting to put that pressure on the agencies. And as the agencies have to rethink their business models and the yoke of infrastructure that they've been carrying around their neck, that's where I think the opportunity exists for the agencies. Content. Let's talk about content. Everybody today is in the content business. And I think if you look at it, and if you look at it through the lens, of how you should be looking at content if you're a brand, if you're a marketer, if you're a publisher, if you're a media company. Everybody seems to think that they're in the content business today. Most of the clients are looking at it through a different lens, however. That lens is who's their best partner for the creation, the distribution, and the monetization of content, something that historically they wouldn't have looked at. What they would look at historically was the ability to sell their products or services. Now what they're looking at is a sharper content strategy that actually looks at ways to monetize that content, even if you're a brand. Obviously, you still want to sell uh, the goods or services, but you want to be able to do it in a way that brings potential for monetization. But that distribution is equally as important. In another recent review, we had the opportunity to listen to a multinational, multi-billion dollar advertiser who was focused not only on content, but was focused only on who they could find as the best partner for e-commerce. And historically, that wouldn't have been something you would have been looking to your media or your creative agency for. It would have been a technology solution. So I think you're looking at all those things driving to that center, driving to that intersection. I think... Um, what I'd like to do is kind of focus on the disruption and what caused the disruption. And interestingly enough, that disruption really turned out to be caused by all things, starting with the letter T. Jim talked about trust, I'll come to that later, but transparency. 
Obviously, our industry has been fraught, the media and advertising industry has been fraught with issues around transparency and the lack thereof. So that is an important and critical point at that intersection. You have to be transparent in your business model, you have to be transparent in how you're doing business, and you have to be transparent in terms of how you're being compensated by your client. And we know that that transparency is manifesting itself not only in the business model, but it's manifesting itself uh, in whether or not the measurement is right, and can we trust the measurement. That transparency obviously leads to the conversation that Jim alluded to around truth. And I think clients are entitled to truth. I think, you know, if you look back at Jack Webb in the famous Dragnet moment when he said, just the facts, ma'am, we're living in a world today where maybe he'd show up at the door and say, just the alternative facts, ma'am. I don't know. It's possible. But uh, I think clients want the real facts, and I think clients want to be able to trust their agency. I think when you lose that trust, it's an impossible thing or a very difficult thing to build back. So that transparency leads to the trust. You have to be able to establish it. I think the third word that begins with the letter T is technology, and we've talked about that already. All the technological advance and all the necessity around embracing that technology is a critical element of what's driving the disruption. And I think finally, and not the least of uh, important items, is talent. There is a, a, a true dearth of talent in this business, and we need to find those people, we need to be educating those people, and we need to make certain that those people are actually in the jobs that can lead to the proper results for their clients. So again, if you look at those concepts, if you look at trust, transparency, talent, and uh, technology, you can see why the change is occurring. I think what you have to do is be, uh, be able to adapt to it. One of the things we've tried to do in the last couple of uh, maybe 18 months is focus on therapy. And you know, here it is Valentine's Day, and we're talking about therapy, and I'm guessing many people are not with the, their, their uh, proper partners today on Valentine's Day, but the night is young. Uh, but, but, but truthfully, uh, I'm an optimist, in case you didn't know, but, uh, but truthfully, the, the agency therapy uh, is something that we've done a lot with in this last 18 months. We've, we've had people come to us and say, I need a new agency, I need to change, I need this or that. And what we've tried to do is focus on the reasons why. And we've likened it to relationships. There are times in relationships when things are going great, and there are times in relationships when things are not going great. In a personal relationship, hopefully you don't instantly go to uh, the breakup. Hopefully you consider some therapy. You consider sitting down with a third party and seeing where the strengths and weaknesses are in your relationships. We've been fortunate with many of our uh, clients over the last 18 months, we've been able to do that. And you know, you get to read in the paper about the reviews that happen and the changes that happen. What you don't get to read very often is about the ones that don't happen, that are underneath uh, you know, all the news. And those are not fake news, those are real stories of relationships that have been fixed by just finding where the strengths were, where the weaknesses were, and what you can, you can hope for. So as a, you know, a kind of a Valentine's Day wish for everybody, I would say uh, that would be an important thing to focus on. Look, there's a lot to cover today, and I know we're a bit over schedule. Um, what I wanted to do is really just kind of hit the high points of what this disruption has been, what is happening at that intersection, the role and the responsibilities of the publisher, the media company, the agency, and the advertiser, and at least focus an, a, a spotlight on how that's changing and what's important in terms of all those constituents around the table. 
it's a deeper conversation. We'd be happy to have it, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in deeper opportunity. Uh, I just wanted to, as I say, shine a light on it. I want to be that person who doesn't separate you from your lunch because uh, I know that's not a good position to be in. We're separating you from your Valentine already, so we don't want to separate you from a good meal. So on that note, I'd like to thank you for your attention. Uh, and in this eight second economy, I think we got a little more than eight seconds out. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, tell you to enjoy your lunch and happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. You can find all the podcasts from Code Media and our other conferences at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay, or just go to Recode.net for full coverage of the Code Media Conference. If you like this sort of interviews, then good news. We do interviews just like them every week on Recode's free podcasts. I host Recode Decode and co-host Too Embarrassed to Ask with Lauren Good of The Verge. And the producer of Code Media, Peter Kafka, has new interviews with the smartest people from the media world every Thursday on Recode Media. You can find all these shows on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or just go to recode.net slash podcasts.